This episode of ArcaSpeak is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech Comfort Heaters. This episode is also supported by Enscape, empowering your design workflow by turning your BIM model into an immersive 3D experience. I went into the office probably about a week or so ago. We're actually getting to the point where I think, well, depending on like, you know, what this new variant does, we have talked about, we'll, we'll be going back to the office 50-50 starting beginning of January. So, so it'll be kind of interesting to, uh, you know, just start seeing people like slowly ease back into out of the comfort of their home and back into the office. So <laughs> back to the cubes. <laughs> yeah, back to the cubes. And it's going to be interesting too, because what we're going to do is we're going to do hoteling of all of the workstations rather than having assigned mm-hmm. seats. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, a lot of people are going to like stake their claim, m- migrate back to like where they yeah. are. And I can almost guarantee you that nobody is going to want to sit in my seat uh, for the simple, for the simple fact that I literally sit in the darkest part of the office. <laughs> You're um, like the hermit hermit station. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I first started working there, I, I was working and I had windows or, or at least I was in proximity of windows where I was getting natural light and could at least see the water. Mm-hmm. And now I, just because we usually just typically like start pairing up and like our little pods are like, oh, like we're going to a you know a different project. So like people are moving chair seats all the time just to kind of like cluster the project teams together. Right. And real quick um, before which, you before you just what explain what the water is because nobody nobody is seeing in, in their minds what you're seeing in your minds when you say that. Ah, the Baltimore Inner Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. Your your office is literally on the water. Literally on the water. Like as in one of our walls of our office is a seawall. Yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to put that visual out there because when you say, you know, I couldn't see the water, like nobody knows what that means. So, you uh, mean I, like when it rains? <laughs> yes. <laughs> when it rains, which you don't even know what that concept is. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you're right. We, we so, actually, just to speak about that for a moment, the first in recorded history for the city of Los Angeles received zero rain in the month of November this year. Oh wow! Yeah. So, so See, literally, don't even, we don't know the concept of rain over here, and I don't even. So, I mean, growing up on the East Coast and living on the East Coast, I don't understand that concept because yeah. literally, like, yeah. it was eighty-five yesterday, maybe, maybe warmer. Yeah. In December, people, can you believe it's December? Jeez, it is. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this year is I, the uh, fastest year yet. I also can't believe that I have a twenty-one-year-old. <laughs> Seriously. Because the end end of end of November rolled around, we're and officially I was old. Just like, yeah. Wait, exactly. Official. <laughs> you get it, totally you send you that certificate. So anyway, back to your back to your teaming and everything. Sorry to derail that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure AARP will be sending me oh. their certificates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're on the list. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you're not getting that already. Surprisingly, I'm not. That's good, <laughs> but anyway, life goals. So. So back to the whole teaming thing. So so here we are getting ready to go back to uh, the office. But I've been going kind of like back and forth into the office and people have seen that I'm in the office. And so 
more recently, there'll be like little gifts sitting on my desk. Nine times out of 10, it's usually like a little sketchbook or a pen or something like that. That somebody was just like, Hey, I know you're into like pens and I know you're into like sketchbooks and little notebooks and stuff like that. You know, I saw this or, or I picked this up somewhere and thought of you. And so, you know, here, which I thought was great. You're like, I'll take free notebooks any day of the week. <laughs> Although, you know, I've got so many notebooks. I'm looking just at my desk right now and there are so <laughs> just unused. No, you'll, you'll never get through them all. Well, it's just like, I'll, I'll start like writing down notes in one yeah, I, and then I'll like switch to another one. Then I'll switch to another one. I have one. three on my desk right now. Oh, four. I have four on my desk right now. And I don't, I'm not sure which one to use. So I have eight that I can see. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a problem. Yeah. We, we have, have twice as much here. of a problem that I do. It, because then they're like, oh, I know I wrote that down. And then I'm now I'm like scrambling around to figure out where the hell I wrote it down yeah. because I have eight sketchbooks on my right. desk. Or notebooks. So anyway, the more recent one that was sitting on my desk was uh, just a little lined notebook that came from this uh, notebook company. It was just kind of like a teaser notebook. But, you know, this one notebook company that I discovered in out of Baltimore called Write, aptly enough, which is awesome. I'll put a link in the show note because go support them. I mean, they're awesome. They, I mean, they're totally like this, not a sponsor, but they're totally awesome. But a friend of mine went and he, I, I talked them up. I was just like, oh, you know, I mean, we're, we're both lefties. <laughs> lefties are always looking for like the company that like supports our plight in like spiral binding. <laughs> because let me just tell you world, spiral binding, like side spiral binding for a left handier is that I do. horrible yeah, I can imagine that's you uncomfortable know? and so and so i've you know so i use like the reporter notebooks the one where the spiral bindings at the top i love those things i've got this weird like way that i write turn the notebook sideways so like my like you see the the, the left-handed people who kind of like write where they like crick their hands yeah. around and like you know just do the weird thing and I, I that's i can't do that it's weird to me i literally like my hand doesn't move it's just like, it's weird. I, it, I need a video of this. Well, we'll have a video because uh, <laughs> people are, just, I don't know if don't we'll be have creepy. a video, but it's just, it's, it's just weird. Anyway. So there was this one and it was just, he, he said it on my, he's like, I don't know if it was like, like a joke or it's because my current demands of my projects or things like that, but it's just this notebook that says today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. <laughs> and I was just like, I haven't heard that one yeah, It's like, Today is always the tomorrow that I've worried about. <laughs> I agree. I think I think the older you get, the more that becomes real too. Because there are a lot of things that you kind of kind of worry about over time, and then you actually see it come true. And it's like, wow, that was I was hoping that wouldn't happen, and now it's like we live in a world where that happens. <laughs> and I will say that, funny enough. So just coming off of, you know, doing a, a pretty big uh, deadline push that as we record, documents are being uploaded to the client's server and everything else so that when they come in at the start of their work week, all of the documents that were part of the submission will be sitting there waiting for them in their, their inbox. And so literally today, it was that tomorrow <laughs> that I was worrying about. Okay. I was wondering where you're going with that. 
<laughs> it was just just dreading like this is because there's so much content that needs to get like you know everybody knows it's like how much is too much content how much is not enough content you know you're just like trying to like throw the thing is like we spent the last few days just kind of like culling down some of the information it's just like okay this is a 50 percent schematic design this particular because it's a overseas project they define schematic design slightly differently than we define mm-hmm. it but you know there's it's slightly closer to do design development and like they have a detailed design their dd sets are called detailed design mm-hmm. and that's more in tune with our cds so they're pushing you harder and you don't really know where those mar- those lines are because it's not the way you've always done it right so you just throw more crap at it so I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll break it down. So we have, so we won the con, we won the competition. Mm-hmm. So there was some documentation that was like the competition. Well, that is like that competition stage is very similar to what we would do in like a concept stage. Sure. So then we have concept stage. Well, that is closer. That's more closer to schematic design yeah, than it is concept. I going to say like every one of their phases is one phase earlier in ours. <laughs> It, well, it's, it's, oh, let's, let's say it's like 75% of like, uh, it, we still want you to do concept in concept stage, but we approved this, this competition design. That's the concept we want. And you're just like, and, and you, you think about it and you think about the fallacy of yeah, that is because right. no more exploration. Exactly. It, it literally is. It starts locking you into things that you just weren't, I just threw something in there to, fluff up the the presentation or or, you know it's an idea but you gotta you have to vet it and there's no no vetting allowed (laughs) that's honestly probably a better way to 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 state that than saying fluff it up (laughs) because it isn't fluff it isn't you aren't just throwing stuff in there you are like trying to put valuable information into it to like prove or justify or give kind of like a basis of design of your thoughts But that's what they are, is they're just thoughts that really need to kind of like be flushed out further through different stages. And so anyway, so there's that interesting like alignment that everything has to, because, you know, we, we have a list of deliverables that we have to achieve at every edit at the end of every stage right. or at milestones throughout the stage. And you look at them and you're like, why would we ever do this in schematic design? This is just like, this is too far advanced for this. And well, because they are like, they're expecting it to be more advanced than where it is. And it's just like, eh. but then that live, it almost gives you, it, it spends like, we spend a lot of time in abortive work a lot, like where we will like develop a lot of ideas only for them to basically be for not. Sure which is kind of pain, which is a little bit more painful because what they're looking for is they're looking for document, you know, documentation level levels that are higher than like a hand sketch type thing for like a schematic design or a concept design. You know, they don't want to, they want to see photo real like renderings way too early that commits you to things that you don't really feel like are fully fleshed out. I think you talked about this before too, where it's like, don't show anything that is not absolutely going to work. Right. Right. That's not what our, the normal architectural process is like. Yeah. So, you know, I was flipping through the, uh, the presentation and, you know, we were, we were showing a concept for adding more light into our basement level natatorium. Yeah. Because 
one side we kind of carved out the and had like this plaza going down to uh the west side of it and so like you know we had some windows that we could get there but you know it still felt pretty cavernous pretty dark and they're like well you know can we start exploring other opportunities for getting light into this thing and we're like it's in the basement how and just so people know what an auditorium is it's indoor swimming pool right an indoor swimming pool yeah so we were exploring this and so I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, this gets the concept of like the, the imagery that we were shown is like, this gets the, the concept of that. But what's worse is like, we have no structure. Like we're not showing any structure well, yeah. in this particular. You should put some columns like, down right through the pool though. That'd be nice. I hate to say it. The, <laughs> if the structural engineer is trying to. <laughs> You're like People aren't swimming under a dock here. This is like yeah, competition exactly. level swimming pool. One of the other things that comes up in an auditorium, though, is glare all the time, right? So you've got to be really careful how you bring light into an, an auditorium. Well, the good thing is, is that, you know, in essence, this is essentially borrowed light yeah. because the the windows themselves, the window plane and the, let's just say the light plane is so far pushed out from the pool surface and even the pool deck that it is really more diffused borrowed mm-hmm. light. And, and that's, you know, and I, I think it's going to be a really successful space. It's just one of these things that, you know, I'm so hesitant about showing some things that when people get kind of like, oh, you know, look how open it is. I'm like, it's only open because we're not showing any of the structure. Oh, man. <laughs> and, but then when we start showing the structure, you're going to be like, what the what hell? happened? When we start showing yeah. the mechanical, like when we start showing the, you know, the, the duct work in there and stuff, they're going to be like, what yeah, the hell? Exactly. <laughs> I, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a designer and he was talking about that exact thing where it was, you know, this, the, the design progressed. It was a ceiling in this particular space that was showing all of the structure and the duct work and it was an exposed ceiling and, and the client freaked out. What, what is that? What is that? And it was like, they're already tight on the budget. So it wasn't like they were over budget, but it's like, basically the client was demanding all of a sudden, like, I don't want to see any of that. And all that does is add cost. So that this is the, the dilemma because you, you're showing, you're showing it through the stages and, and it's so hard to communicate. Like, imagine if you will, like, all of that stuff when they actually can't see it because usually that just goes in one ear out the other. If you're like, okay, there's going to be beams and there's going to be ducks. Like all they're doing is looking at this beautiful, smooth ceiling <laughs> and that's all they see. And they're locked. They're, they're tuned out to what you're saying. And, and it's, it's really hard to, to kind of all of a sudden show that stuff. And they're, they're totally taken by surprise, even though you've brought it up so many times. Yeah. This is the process of communicating design. It's really tricky. Yeah. And then this has got such a, a very prescriptive design aesthetic that is really going to be a challenge to achieve for long spans on, you know, an an archetype Mm -hmm. that really kind of is this like short span kind of natural wood type load bearing thing. And it's just so there's like this weird, almost Disney-esque yeah. kind of right. approach that I'm going to need to take to this. <laughs> um, I love it. Disney. Yeah. It's like, this is not what it appears to be. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's like, Ooh, look at, Oh, look at these beautiful long span timber beams that would never 
truly be able to do that. They are just basically a a sleeve over the yeah. top of this big structural steel beam. Well, I did that. You remember that science building that Brett and I did? Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was uh, it was a steel. It was all brace frame, and it was three stories and etc. And the client did not want to see any of it. They just oh, didn't gosh. want to see yeah. any of that structure. And you know, as an architect, you're like. There's plenty of opportunities to make that elegant and show it off. But but like I like to say, all new architecture is a reaction to old architecture, especially on a campus. Yeah. yeah. And so they had had, you know, they, there's some building on their campus, which probably wasn't real old, where there's exposed galvanized steel, whatever. And it's like, oh, I don't want to see any of that ever again. Exactly. And so then we yeah. get to cover everything up and spend extra money covering everything up that we can't spend on something more meaningful in the project. Let's take a moment and talk about the sponsor of this episode. Enscape is a leading real-time rendering and virtual reality tool for the global AEC market. It plugs directly into your modeling software, giving you an integrated design and visualization process. With Enscape, you can render in real-time and walk stakeholders through your rendered model with incredible ease. Your buildings can be experienced long before they are built. More than 200,000 unique monthly users from over 150 countries use Enscape to envision better designs. To learn more or to sign up for a free 14-day trial, visit Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak today. That's Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak. In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature. And Infratech outdoor electric heating systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy efficient ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during the cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy a hundred more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility, from their heater capacities and their colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They are also the only comfort heating company that offers smart integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the USA at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of the job. Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcast. I, for one, appreciate the design options you get with Infratech because as the cooler months approach the mid-Atlantic region, we're looking to extend those outdoor days and Infratech heaters provide comfort without being large and in your face. So I I spent a long time on one of my projects convincing the client that what they've seen and done in the past for this exposed structural elements is not the same thing that what I am pitching to mm-hmm. them. And, and they had, they just recently had like a, a newer building that was built, like maybe a couple of years prior to our building that was being designed that they had exposed, you know, structural steel and they had to do intimescent painting on it. And for whatever reason, for whatever like choice that was made with value engineering or whatever, they used like probably like the lowest, you know, cheapest cost intumescent coating. And it literally looked like all of their exposed steel 
didn't look like exposed steel. It looked like a stick of chunky peanut yeah, butter. Yeah, totally. <laughs> How about if we paint it silver? Will that help? It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I, so I, you know, we, we wrote this pretty tight spec of exactly what they were supposed to look like. And when he, when we came out to review it for the first time, now we got a mock-up. Mock-up was great. Uh, mock-up was exactly what we were expecting to see and all of this other stuff. Well, and then we come out, we actually see the actual application. Different, different team and, probably did that one. <laughs> and so this is like, this is like these double columns with some like splice plates together. And then there's these like little brackets that are kind of like the whole thing is like creating this, the, the, this was at, you know, Duke university. And so they've got a, a Gothic, you know, architecture to it. And this was a modern interpretation of a Gothic space, Gothic columns and all that other stuff. But I wanted to like do it out of structure, you know, exposed structural steel. And I should say it properly, architecturally exposed structural Mm -hmm. steel section, blah, 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 blah of the specification. (laughs) Anyway, you know, and so it, and you know, I, I designed this like really cool, like arched, you know, like bracketing and all of this other stuff in it. And, and I think it looks great on paper. And so, and so, well, no, oh, the so real thing? when it was the raw, so when it was the raw steel yeah. out there, it looked really cool. And everybody was coming by. It was just like, you know, the, the client liked it. Everybody liked it. It was just this really nice <laughs> then thing. They put the frosting and on. <laughs> then, then they came in and buttered mm-hmm. it. <laughs> they didn't, they did not do what their mock-up was. And I was just like, like I was beside myself. The client was beside themselves. I mean, you know, the, the contractor was just like, well, this is, you know, you know, this may not be what was in the mock-up, but you know, this is what we can achieve. You're like, uh, you could do it again. <laughs> and, and so at the end of the day, I ended up telling them, and it was just like, you know, I, I was like, I can guarantee you that, Find an auto body man and talk to them, bring them out here, talk to them about how that they mm. could achieve the finish that they're doing. Cause essentially it's, you know, in a, in a way that type of like intimacy and coding is yeah, Bondo. It's a Bondo artist job. <laughs> so when, you know, you have like goop crap on bolts and you paint over them and all that other stuff, how horrible that yeah. looks. And I'm like, the bolts were as, as much of the aesthetic design as everything else. And these just look Ugh. tragically horrible. <laughs> it's like you go in the wheel well of your car and you're like, you see the bolts that are coated in underbody coating. Like that's what we're oh, talking yeah, yeah. about right here. That, this, that is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but that's not what was it was designed to see. Right. So if you like open up the top of your car and you look down at the bolts that are holding your, your fenders on and you see that you see they're painted bolts, but they yeah, they're just they look, look like clean. Bolts, yeah. yeah. That's what I was going right. for. <laughs> and and so so what they ended up doing is it ended up that the contractor ate quite a bit of cost, but he brought out an audio body specialist. I like how you just to, solved that problem for him. Like he, you're like, okay, I could, yeah. I could bitch about this and complain and they could try to do it again better, but you went into problem solving mode, man. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it, it, it took about a month for them to, for me to, of me convincing them because what they kept doing is kept trying different solutions of the same yeah. thing. It's not getting any better. It's like, here's your mock-up. 
And this was what was approved. And this is what literally everybody's expecting. And you're not delivering that. And I don't see how you think, I mean, and what was, what was worse is that like they were, so they were like scraping stuff down and instead of like scraping it down and then sanding it, it just was like, you, they would paint over the scrape marks. They would paint over this and just like, you're making it worse, not better. (laughs) You know, it's it's like giving Um, a three-year-old nail polish. So back to like the comment of like the, the today is the tomorrow that I worry about yesterday is like when I'm drawing some of this stuff now, and I start thinking about like, you know, this, ex, you know, architecturally exposed structural steel that I know, you know, not all of it has to be, well, I mean, if it's structural and it, it needs to be fireproofed some way, shape or form in how that goes about doing it, you know, as part of like that level of finish, I, I worry about that every single time because it's not necessarily, I know that there's products out there and i know that there's you know tradesmen out there that you know will be able to like get that level of finish that i want but every time i draw these things i'm at the point in my career now where when i draw things i draw them with the worry of how it's going to be built in the future when like you now are at the mercy of a tradesman who may or may not understand like the vision that you're trying to achieve or, you know, like understands like certain limitations of things and just won't push it any further. It's just like, eh, that's done. Yeah. I'm that's good. It is hard to find a craftsman because that's what you're talking about at that level. And we do have labor issues, skilled tradesmen issues with shortages and lack of and training and all of these things. Like, they are all playing together. It, it it's it kind of though reminds me of like my kids where we're going to go do something and my kid is so worried about it. You know, this is, I'm just thinking like when they were younger and they're like, I had my son, he was just crying one day. He was just like, Oh, it's like going to be so terrible. And I was like, why are you imagining it as the worst possible outcome? And, and it just, this reminds me of it because that's kind of what we do. We like, uh, like the chances of getting a really great craftsman is going to be slim. And I'm designing this thing that requires a really great craftsman. <laughs> and so you do worry about it, but at the same time, you, you honestly don't know what you're going to get. And so design intent to actually get it realized is it, this is kind of a tricky thing that we start to compromise on in the design phase, because like chances are you are not going to get that person. It's tough. Well, so, so what I try to do and, you know, this is just, I guess, I don't know, me or whatever. And I'm sure it's a lot of people is I try to design it. So if I were going to build it, (laughs) I would be able to achieve the design that I'm trying to, because I know that I'm not a craftsman and I know that I'm not a good tradesman. I mean, I, I know how to put things together and you know, things like that. If we were working on cars, I'd be fine. But I mean, there's a craft to the the construction industry. And so what I try to do is then I try to detail it in a way that is legitimately achievable by anybody. Now, I don't think that it's necessarily sacrificing any of the design, you know, aesthetics that I'm achieving. It's I'm literally trying to find a way that anybody could do you know, get me what I'm looking Mm. for. 
and, and it's it's hard and then you know it, it it puts a little bit more onus on me to design things a little bit more in detail but i mean that's sort of you know in a way that's sort of our job although that you know there are many people who are just like that's means and methods man you know let the, let them figure that out i'm like but that's where the that's where the disconnect comes from sometimes if, if we if we always default to means and methods then we're not going to be able there's sometimes when that like really special moment that you were hoping you you got and then you left it up to means and methods you're going to get whatever yeah, you get gamble. exactly I, I think that on some level, like there's projects that I'll visit, obviously, that are just amazing. Think about the barns, right? And you think about the level of craft that went into the construction of that and what the trades actually brought to that. Uh, there's lots of examples like that. They're everywhere. They're not the kind of projects that I've worked on, uh, honestly. <laughs> true. And true. so it is possible. And it's it's probably incredibly expensive also to achieve that. And because there's things that I see that are accomplished. And I'm just like, how did humans accomplish this? It is so incredible. When I look at incredible architectural detailing executed, not just drawn, but actually executed like a, on a Vignoli building in my, my hometown here. It, I look at the, the way the handrails and the guard, the glass and the, the treads and everything come together. And it's just like, this is beautiful. Do most people notice that? They, no, they don't. But it it was executed. I mean, and so it, it started at the beginning. And I think like what you're talking about is one of the biggest downfalls of the design bid build delivery model, which is mean you're you're worried about means and method or you're using it to your advantage. You're not integrating that collaboration of the contractor or the trades early. This is these are just huge downfalls of certain delivery models in our profession. And like you're right like it it is better to get their collaboration as early as possible so that means and methods becomes part of the design so that you know it is achievable not only that but the people who are going to be doing it are at the table and they're telling you what works and what doesn't in their experience and you can work through those problems together more and more clients are i've found recently are really open to the design assist, which is really something that we sort of do, but we don't really take it, you know, a lot of times we don't take it to an extreme, like I've been doing more recently, where you get a contractor who would ultimately be bidding on this to come in early and actually help you design and detail out a lot of different like tricky items and things like that, that aren't just like standard off the shelf stuff. And really get it to a point where, okay, if you want this look, this appearance, then this is how we, as the tradesmen, would build that. There is some really kind of tricky details on you know a project that we just did that's finally getting to the point of starting construction. Well, not quite yet, but soon. Mm-hmm. And But there were so many tricky details on this that are also going to be details that are going to have to be like done at you know 12 stories in the air. And so like, you know, how, how would you build it? How would, how would you achieve this detail? And so they kept, they would like show, okay, well, here's like, here's like the standard kit of parts. 
And here's how we would achieve it that way. And you look at it and you're like, eh, no, that's not quite the, 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 the detail that we're looking for. We want to try to do this. Uh, you know, you just keep going through these like iterations to try to get that. And I know it's not like anything new. I mean, we, we as architects do it quite often, but a lot of times it's kind of like, you know, either we would pay them or we would just pay them in with the hopes that they, you know, would be bidding on this project and they, you know, they expect, you know, their payment is expectation that they would eventually either get the project, have a leg up on the project, you know, inside information, whatever the hell you want yeah, to call right. it. And I know it's not new. It's just, it's sort of new to me that, you know, finally we're getting to the point where we really are truly starting to integrate design and construction early in the process to really start to talk through yeah. those things and really understand them. Because the thing that I love about you know, construction administration is when I'm out there, I'm picking the brains of the people who are actually building the things that I, that I draw. And a lot of times, you know, I'll hear from them. That's not how we build this. You know, this is how we build this. And, you know, I'll take copious notes and and I'll like, you know, commit it to memory of like, okay, to achieve the details that I really want to do, this is really how the tradesman would be doing this. You know, I start to like really understand like where my limits are and then start to like, look at, where I can push those limits a little bit more, push them a little bit more that isn't outside of the realm of things that they would do normally, you know? And so I'm not adding more to the budget. I'm not making it more custom than it really needs to be, but still being able to work within like a parameter that gets me what I want to. And it does. And I feel like understanding like the means and methods does not limit my creativity. Yeah, no, it, 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 doesn't it actually is an enabler because it's it's true that the trades bring a level of experience that you could never understand right like they they actually have their hands on the things that you're drawing and putting them together and the sequencing and and they can bring they bring so much value I, we we go back to discussions we've had before about oak park being 13 sheets right to 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 do the chapel right it's it's like it, it's because so much was left up to the contractor to to figure out in the field the means and methods but at the same time the architect was there and they were working hand in hand to to make sure that everybody was happy with that and obviously times are way different than that now but with this early engagement i mean that's that's kind of as good as you can get and and it can't be under stated how much value the skilled trades bring to the equation earlier so that things work out better when it actually needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a way, uh, a return to the way things were, but different, <laughs> but yeah. different because yes, technology and everything else is different, but it's a return to the way things were in the, that were is that there is better engagement, better cooperation, better conversation, communication with the contractor and the architect to really deliver a good, sound, well-designed, well-built building. Well, and that's, that know? is a better way to deliver design intent because design is an abstraction of the reality. And that's how the communication happens. Like all the drawings are an abstraction of the real thing. And so to actually talk through those issues before you draw them, has huge value to it and and that to me is really 
the downfall of that delivery model. And it is good to hear that design assist is more acceptable. And obviously tons of people are doing design build for, for similar reasons. That's not the only reason why they're doing design build, right? They're trying to get their prices locked in early and all of these things where it's just more of a known quantity from earlier stages. But like these are the ways to engage and ask the right question, like learn what the right questions are to ask. It's not like you just get the chance to ask the right questions earlier because you could always ask the wrong question. But th- this is the, the, the thing that needs to be done more and more often is that you've got to get the product manufacturers in earlier because they know what's nobody. We will never know their products as well as they do. Never. And not, not only that, we don't want to, right? Like there, we have enough to worry about. Exactly. And same with with the build side. Like if you can get the skilled trades, not just the GC, it depends on the G usually a GC has a specialty and they're they don't know they don't do it all. And then it just it depends. But you want to get the skilled trades who are gonna be doing the work or potentially doing the work, get their eyes on it as early as possible with the building product manufacturers and the engineers and the architects all at the table at the same time. This to me is is a better future of the profession of architecture than than what we've seen with this highly competitive uh, CYA put throw everything into the documents you possibly can that nobody's actually going to use like the, the, it's just a disaster it seems that the more the the further i get in my career the more and i, I don't even want to say the more complex projects get because they're not really more complex but I just watched the sheet numbers grow and grow and grow. And it's, you know, and it totally is that whole CYA, you know, thing. It's just like, I'm going to document every little thing. I'm like, that's, that's less CYA and more assuming liability that you don't want to. Opening yourself up for, for, for more liability. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're getting to a point where you're like, you really shouldn't be doing like what we're doing right now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and because data in the model appropriately placed is a good thing, but just more data in the model is not a good thing, right? Just just for the data's sake. You have to put it in the right place, which means that like how many times have you seen I know you guys see this all the time, you're putting content into your model and the details in the wrong place like nobody cares about that right what what matters is i click on the thing and it tells me what it is rather than needing to see every nut and bolt and screw and it's like come on this and not only that but it's just making everything slower so there's tons of issues all around here people are spending people spend more time trying to like detail something that they're not 100% familiar with more than like, you know, just designing it out to like, this is what I want it to be. This is what I want it to look like. And let's have the manufacturers, let's have the contractors kind of like really, truly work out, you know, what, how it goes together, what it is and things like that. So what does this have to do with your notebooks? Because this is the future that we worried about. Because, <laughs> because, you know, Today I mean, the if, if you think about it, the, the tomorrows are, are, are all of these like, you know, documentations like, yeah, like, yes, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. And I think that is a perfect kind of like architecture. Today is the tomorrow you have worried about yesterday. I like it. I'm writing it down. <laughs> it all came from a, from a note on a notebook. Thanks to Enscape for their support of this episode. 
Visit Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak today for a free 14-day trial. Thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of Arcaspeak. And remember, you can visit Infratech at infratech-usa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation, learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.